are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hello. Good morning. Uh, good to see you all. All right. So uh, my co-founders and I, actually, we did two companies before. Both of them were venture-funded. Both of them were acquired. We, when we started Backblaze, we said, you know what? There are some good parts about venture funding. There's some bad parts. Let's do it uh, differently. So we started by bootstrapping. We put our jobs. We, took, uh, we said, for one year, we're going to do nothing uh, in terms of venture funding, there's going to be no PowerPoints, there's going to be no, no spreadsheets, there's going to be no pitches. Just fo- focus on product, focus on customers, see how it goes. Um, so we uh, we did that for 15 years. We took the company public uh, in 2021. I'm going to try to share 15 years worth of history in 20 minutes uh, or less here. Um, so this is what it started like. Um, probably what a, a lot of you guys uh, started like, right? Five, five guys, you know, uh, one bedroom apartment. Um, the, uh, the, the guy, the tall guy standing in the, in the, in the room there in the blue shirt, that's his one bedroom apartment. He's living in the, uh, in the one bedroom that's behind the wall over there. Um, all of us are crowded in. The reason I'm wearing, uh, flip flops and a t-shirt is because it's hot as hell because there was no AC and it's, uh, and we didn't have enough power to power the servers and the AC at the same time. So, uh, this is how it started. Um, and then in 2021, uh, we were able to bring uh, about a third of the team out to New York, out from San Francisco, uh, to ring the bell on the NASDAQ in Times Square. Uh, really exciting day, super fun, you know, the whole, the whole shindig. So, um, you know, when we started the company, we said, um, hey, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to run this forever as a private company? Are we going to uh, raise funding? Are we going to uh, sell the company like we did the last two? Are we going to... Um, take it public. And taking it public was one of the possibilities, um, but it was a little bit like trying on, uh, you know, your par- your dad's pants when you're a kid. You know, sure, yeah, yeah, maybe someday we'll fit into these, right? Um, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was still kind of a fiction, right? Um, and so uh, I'm going to share what kind of some of the learnings, both in terms of um, what it took to go public, um, as well as why bootstrapping is actually a good way to get to be able to go public. But one of the, I think, the... Um, the things I want you to walk away with is it's possible to go public, right? And I think for, for um, you know, at different stages, it doesn't feel that possible, right? Um, okay, so, um, you know, we're going to talk about how you decide, how do you prepare, how do you actually execute on that process. Uh, this was our, our path to their revenue-wise. And so, you know, if you look over here, um, let's say, you know, 2014, we were at uh, about 10 million bucks in, in revenue. You know, many of you are probably, um, you know, many of you are, are beyond this, some of you are beyond this, some of you are at the beginning of this, some of you are in the middle. But, you know, sitting in 2014 with $10 million of revenue, you know, kind of going like, oh yeah, maybe we'll take the company public, still seems like a fiction. But then you look at it, it's only seven years later and, you know, eight years later and, and, and we're public, right? So, uh, it, it, you know, the, the thing to walk away with here is, you know, like at the beginning, it's like, you know, you're, you're just trying to figure it out. And, you know, um, I, I loved the, the first speaker who was talking about, you know, getting to 50K of MRR. Like, it's awesome. Um, and it, you know, at, at that kind of growth rate, it's only a number of years before um, being public is actually a feasible path. 
Um, okay, so um, what do we do? We we started off selling computer backups, so you know, backing up your laptops and desktops, seven bucks a month, totally unlimited. We do that for individuals, we do that for businesses, it's super simple and it takes care of everything. Bunch of, uh, of our customers started coming to us and say, hey, I love you for your backup service, um, but I, you, I, and I trust you for all my storage stuff, but I need all these other storage things. Um, give me access to your platform. So, um, you know, listening to customers, hearing what they wanted, we built um, B2, which was our second offering. It's cloud storage as a service. It's like Amazon's S3 service for object storage, but it's one-fifth the price point. Um, so if you're using Amazon S3 and you want to save a whole bunch of money, make it easier, you know, come check out B2. Um, so uh, deciding. Um, so uh, it, it's it's. I think it's a uh, generally there's a there's a uh, belief that if you're going to go public, you have to raise money and you have to raise a ton of money because you have to burn a ton of money because that's the only way to go public. Um, I, I'm gonna. It's it's a contrarian viewpoint, but I think bootstrapping is actually in many ways a better way to get to be a public company. Um, here's some of the ways that I think it helped us. Um, when we started the company, we were going to use Amazon S3 as the underlying way that the in, for the infrastructure for our cloud backup service. That's what we wanted to do. We did the math and we said, oh, we're going to lose money on every customer. That didn't seem like a good way to build a business. If we had raised a whole bunch of venture funding, we probably would have done it and said, we'll figure it out later. Somehow we'll figure out how to, how to make it, the math work. But we didn't have any money. So we had to start from first principles and figure out how to actually make the business work. We ended up designing a platform that was uh, uh, like drastically less expensive than Amazon, which we probably would have never done if we had 10 million bucks of cash in the bank on the first day. Um, it also just continued making us efficient throughout the years. Every single day, the culture was built up that you have to focus on the efficiency of building the business. Um, that is a fundamental thing that comes with bootstrapping. Um, it also, um, I think, drives your go-to-market approach. Um, for us, we couldn't spend money on ads. We didn't have any money. So we built a really efficient go-to-market, which was self-service and PLG-based. And um, we started writing a blog that was focused on storage um, and had about 3 million people a year that started reading it. That drove a lot of people to come and check out the, 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 the company. Um, didn't really cost a lot of money because we didn't have a lot of money. So I think bootstrapping has lots of advantages that actually help you build a business, and especially in today's environment where uh, companies care about profitability and EBITDA margins and cash flow in, in the public markets. Um, it's, a, it's a value, and it's hard to build that value after you've, been, after you've raised tons of money for years and years and years to change the culture to do that. Um, so, you know, and this is kind of the last one, which is like that whole culture of establishing of a bootstrap um, is part of that. Okay. So those are some of the advantages, I think, of building Bootstrapped as a path to going public. Now, um, on, the, on the comment of the when do you actually go, um, so what all of the you know, experts that we spoke with said was, uh, you, you've got to wait until at minimum, minimum you're 100 million in revenue, and really you should be at 300 million because that's the size companies that go public. And they're right. That's the average size of company that goes public. You know why? Because the banks make more money that way. Um, but when, uh, when we went public, this was the sh chart that we went out uh, on the roadshow with. Um, a few different numbers on there, but focus on the one that says 65 million of ARR. It was not 300. Um, we still went public. Um, it's, uh, you can take the companies public at smaller scales than the banks are leaning into taking companies public because they make a, a fee on, on the amount that you raise. Okay. So um, what about in terms of costs? 
Um, so it, it, it is expensive to go public. So, you know, we talk about, um, you know, backblaze cloud storage, really easy, really inexpensive. Going IPO, not easy, not, ex- not inexpensive, but um, it is possible. Um, and uh, so it cost us, you know, 10 to $15 million to take the company public. Kind of a big number. Most of that went to the banks because they take 7% of what you raised. But there are lots of other places where um, you actually have to spend money. Lawyers, accountants, uh, you know, directorate office insurance, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so it's expensive, but if you're raising $100 million and you give away $10 million, you know, it's a little bit of the cost of doing business. Um, okay. Uh, wh- when do you do it? So um, part of the, the thing is that when you're actually going public, you, it's, it's when you're uh, uh, the... You're going to be talking to investors about if you give us money, we're going to do the following things with it. So you need to have uh, metrics and a story around um, this is the right time for you to change that trajectory. For us, it was because B2 cloud storage was growing really fast and there was this big market for it. And everybody was, we had lots of people that were switching off of Amazon Web Services and coming to B2. And we were talking to investors about that. They saw that growth and they said, yep, that makes sense. So Thinking about the kind of the story of timing and the metrics, but you got to start early because it still takes often like two years to actually get ready. Okay, uh, preparing. So how do you actually do the preparing part of it? So uh, first of all, um, you have to reframe the story, but not rewrite the story. So one of the things that will happen is um, when you start down this path, there's a whole machine, bankers and everybody else, that want you to tell a different story than the one that your company actually is. They want you to be a different company because it looks better on a spreadsheet or it looks better in a pitch. Um, you want to reframe your story because you're speaking to a different audience. You're not speaking to your customers. You're speaking to investors. But it still has to be the real company. It's the company that you built. Um, so if you have a ton of upsell, then talk about the, t- the, the amazing ways you upsell. If you don't have a ton of upsell because most of your business is selling to new customers, talk about how you get new customers. Don't tout how you have t- tons of upsell. Focus on kind of like what is it that makes your company special. Don't necessarily, don't fit into the rubric that the bankers and everybody else are going to push you into. Um, so th- this is a this is a smidge from our S one. This is kind of the, the left is you know the starting bits of the outline, um, and then uh, that's one of the first pages on it. Um, uh, the team. So the you know this is probably the part that everybody's most set up for, right? Which is um, make sure that your team itself running the business is prepared and ready to actually go down this path. It's going to be distracting. It's going to take a lot of time. It's not just a finance and accounting thing. That was one of the mistakes we made. We said, oh, we think, you know, this is really going to take, be mostly about the finance and accounting teams, but it actually does suck up a lot of the rest of the company to get involved in the whole IPO process. Uh, know that, know that up front. Make sure your team is ready for that. Um, uh, finance. Uh, this is uh, on the left, the two little two boxes. That's what our finance team looked like before we started down the path. On the right, that's what our finance team looked after the path. Uh, yeah, <laughs> finance is kind of an important part of uh, going public. It takes a lot of people. You have to have a whole structure, processes, systems. People um, uh, don't don't think you're going to go public with a uh, part-time CFO. Um, uh, the other part, the syndicate, um, the banks. So. Um, uh, there's a whole art and science of picking the banks that take you public. Uh, you know, you hear about Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan. Those are, are, are appropriate, uh, potentially, if you are going out and raising a billion dollars in capital. If you are, uh, you know, 50, 60, 100 million dollars in, in revenue and you're raising 100 million dollars, those banks are going to give you uh, the C-team 
um, if, if you go with them, and they will drop you at the, at, 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 in a second if they have a different opportunity. They're not the right fit. Um, so you have to find the right banks. These are the actual banks in the ordering and everything. Um, there's a whole ton of crazy stories around how you, how you pick the banks, but the one thing I'll leave you with is, um, the, I didn't make this quote up, somebody else did, but it resonated with me, which is, you uh, date your banker, you marry your analyst. Um, so the bankers, they drop in, they take you public, they leave. The analysts at these banking firms are who are hopefully going to be with you quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter. And so when you're picking your banks, you're actually picking your analyst. Um, so start with the, uh, start by looking at the analyst, then pick the banks. Um, okay, other things, uh, building teams. Um, so the board, um, we had five founders. The five founders were the, the board members for like, you know, 12 years with me. Um, when, when you go public, you have to have an independent board. The insiders are not independent. Um, so you have to have recruit new people who are going to be your independent board members. Um, lots of interesting tidbits about how you pick board members. One thing that I'll, uh, I'll share with you is uh, I had a friend who said, "Oh, I know the you know this board member who's a, a board member of Google. Do you want to, an intro?" And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds amazing to get a board member from Google." And then what I realized, talking to to some people who've gone through the experiences, that's not who you want. Um, because if they're the board member of Google, how much time and focus are they going to give you as a board member of your company, right? So um, you want board members who are really going to be deeply invested and care about you and your success and become prepared and everything else. Um, so those are the, pick those kind of board members. Um, okay, the, other, the, the rest of the team. You need auditors, lawyers um, as part of it. Um, we picked BDO. Uh, one of the things I learned is um, we had an auditing firm. Uh, you know what? You can't have just any auditing firm when you go public. You have to have a PCAOB auditing firm. There are only certain auditing firms that are, that, that do that. So um, uh, you have to pick one. Um, Gunderson Detmer was our lawyers. Love them. They did a great job with us. Um, uh, uh, certain lawyers have gone through the process of taking companies public. They have to be have have done that for this part of it. Um, I also really loved Third Creek Advisors, Adam. Um, he's an IPO advisor. He helped us learn a lot of this stuff. He was awesome. I totally recommend uh, him if he uh, if, if you're going down this process. Um, okay. Um, so those are the, that's the team, right? So the inside team, the the bankers, the lawyers, the accountants, and etc. Um, building resilience. So like everything, and like many of you probably experience day to day, something goes wrong all the time, right? Um, so. Uh, in our case, you know, a few of the things that went wrong. Uh, the syndicate of banks collapsed. We had to redo the syndicate. Uh, we had a key board member that had to leave uh, during, the, during the IPO process. One of our key partners who was involved in our IPO roadshow uh, launched a competitor like a week before we, uh, we were going public. Wait, wait what? Um, uh, the SEC, the person who was in charge of reviewing our S1 document after years and years and years at the SEC, leaves right and retires midway from the SEC um, d- uh, during the process. Um, disappearing banks. No, this is not SVB. Um, this was, uh, you know, a couple years ago. One of our banks decided midway through the process, you know what? We don't want to be in technology anymore. We're getting out of the tech space. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, stuff's going to come up. You have to keep kind of plowing forward. Um, okay, executing. Uh, so the actual process. You've got your S1, you've reframed your story, you've got your team, you've got your banks, you've got all that. Um, uh, testing the waters. Um, in 2012, the Jobs Act allowed companies to file confidentially and talk to investors about the process of going public. Yay! So the, you know, the bank said, hey, this is testing the waters, you're just kind of getting feedback and everything else. Bullshit! Um, the testing the waters, you're talking to investors, and when you talk to the investors, if those investors don't come back to, and tell the banks, hey, we're really excited about investing in this, 
the banks go, eh, I don't think that there's an IPO here to be done. So you're not, you're not just getting feedback. This is a real, real trial run, kind of like uh, the last speaker said about whenever you're talking to VCs, it's, it's, it's not just coffee. Same thing with, uh, with this process. Um, uh, the roadshow itself. So uh, this is a screenshot of the S1, most of the pages, not all of them. Um, the key thing with the roadshow is you've got to, to convert this, you know, 150 pages of uh, S1 document into something that is a compelling story and um, and uh, two that you can tell to investors in something like 20 to 30 minutes. It's like a lot of other pitches. You have to convince them that the money they're going to give you means you're going to um, grow and perform faster. Uh, the One of the differences potentially is that the that story they're going to follow up on every single quarter and go, hey, you told me this story. How's it going? Um, okay. Um, then you're, you get to ring the bell. Woo! By the way, it's really fun. That, you know, in Times Square, you get to actually boink the button. I don't think it's actually connected to anything, but it's fun. They have the whole, um, they have the whole like uh, pop thing and everything. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not connected to anything because if it were, then if you miss the button, um, which you do practice, by the way, um, uh, uh, the market wouldn't close at, uh, uh, on time, and that's probably not what they, they're going to let, let happen. Um, but there's a whole process in picking. Um, uh, like the day of the roadshow, like uh, the day after the roadshow, you have to decide who are you actually going to sell your shares to. So you've gone out, you've pitched a whole ton of investors. Some subset of them have said, yes, I'm interested. I would like the following allocation. And there's a whole art and science around. Um, these investors have said, I want $20 million. And these investors have said, I want $5 million. Do you give them five? Do you give them 20? Do you give these five? Do you give th- these a million? Um, and and you, uh, something that was non-intuitive is you want some of the investors who are absolutely going to hold for the long term, but you want some investors who are absolutely not going to hold for the long term. And part of the reason you don't want them to hold for the long term is if all of your investors held for the long term, there are no shares on the market, no volume, no trade. Um, so it's a, you actually want a mix of, of, of types of investors. Um, okay. So yay, we went public. You know what happened the day after we went public? The market exploded and everything went to shit. Um, so uh, you have to get ready for the fact that you know the market conditions change. And, and um, when we were on the roadshow, every single solitary conversation was, hey, how can you spend more money to grow faster? That was the only thing anybody cared about. Our very first earnings call, which was like two months uh, later, Nobody was asking that. You know what everybody was asking? How can you spend less money so that you can get to cash flow break even faster? Right? Um, you're still building the, the company, so you got to just kind of focus um, and make sure that you're, you're continuing to execute on whatever makes sense for your company. Being careful not to get too swayed in any direction by what, what's happening in the public markets. Um, so for us, what that meant was, you know, just continuing to focus on, we've got this computer backup business. We're going to continue to sell cloud backup. We've got this B2 business. We're going to continue to focus on cloud storage. The One of the things that it changed was, you know, we, we leaned into the fact that the, a lot of customers started saying, how can we save money off of our existing infrastructure? And we were like, hey, you know what? B2 is a great way to do that. And that's how we can continue to execute into that. Um, okay. So I think that was 18 and a half minutes um, of 15 years going from bootstrapping to IPO. Um, so talking a little bit about why you can bootstrap, why that's a good path to IPO, which most of the banks will be like, no, 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 you have to raise money. Um, um, how you prepare for it, how you execute on the IPO. Um, obviously, there's lots and lots of stuff behind here. I'm, uh, I'm starting to write little uh, blog posts on our uh, backboys.com slash blog, um, going into more detail on each of these things. So if you're interested in these paths, you know, come come check out our blog on the various pieces. Um, 
All right. I'm, I'm going to be here for the rest of the day. Happy to answer questions and, and anything I can. Thank you, guys.